You're listening to Four at the Back, and we've gone to extra time. Diego Maradona is a name that conjures a myriad of memories and opinions. His tragic death at the age of just 60 last week sparked an outpouring of grief and an overwhelming stream of clips on social media showcasing his skill and charisma. He's undoubtedly one of the greatest players who have ever played the game. His attitude to life polarised opinion, but it arguably made him the player he was rather than stopped him from achieving more. This special episode of Four at the Back will recognise and celebrate Maradona for what he represents. The mercurial, the murky, but above all else, the magical. So gents, Diego Maradona, where does he fit into your love of football? He's, you know, kind of the guy that sparked it in 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 a lot of ways. You know, for, growing up at, uh, for the age of me and Neil, it's, you know, Maradona was the best player in the world at that time. You see that. I think one of my earliest footballing memories is my old man shouting at the TV um, when he handballed it in in 86. You know, it's just an absolutely astonishing player. Still the greatest ever for me. And to actually see him in his prime and, you know, by the time I, I really started to know, it was when he started to spiral out a little bit as well. And, you know, I've just got memories of you know like I say if my earliest memory was the 86 World Cup and not so much watching it but just the reaction to it you know I certainly remember him you know being fantastic in 1990 as well and you know looking like he'd bought it back in 94 before uh, <laughs> before we realized that there, there was a, a little bit extra doing uh, doing the rounds with him at that point but yeah I mean just an absolute phenomenal player to watch magic magician yeah, I think, I, I mean, yeah, me and Maz would have been six in 86 and, and it pretty much my first football memories of that World Cup. Uh, remember a surprising amount about Mexico 86, weirdly. Certainly um, very vivid memories of the second goal, the wonder goal. And I think, you know, um, although I've seen Peter Shilton's been out and about again uh, talking about the first goal, but I mean, regardless of all of that, and it's a pre-VAR era and all of that, that second goal where he essentially picks up on the halfway line, you know, spins round. I think it's Peter Reed's the first person that challenges him. And he just basically goes round the whole of the team. Uh, and Barry Davis on commentary sort of lists all the Argentinian players that are kind of running into position. And he says, you know, he won't need any of them. Um, and, you know, Barry Davis is always very fair and magnanimous, unlike some of the commentators that came to uh, commentating uh, England games, was um, then moved to say, you have to say that's magnificent. There's no argument about that. And there really wasn't. And I think, obviously, that game um, in the Azteca Stadium was so charged, not only because of the Falklands War, which took place only four years before, uh, but obviously, you know... Um, Argentina and um, and the UK have had a, a sort of strange big brother, little brother relationship um, from 
you know, the sort of 19th century when it was essentially a um, almost a colony, not officially a colony, but might as well have been. You know, football was obviously imported to Argentina by, uh, you know, English, Scottish, Welsh sailors. Um, and there's a really interesting thing in the 1920s, 1930s, when there is a sort of very decisive step towards creating a distinctively Argentinian football, which is different from, you know, the kind of mother football. And you get this idea of the street urchin who's dribbling it around everybody as a tough streetwise guy, breaks the rules if he has to. And Maradona was the sort of spirit of of, of those slums. You know, he, he came from the poorest worst district in the whole of Buenos Aires. There's a famous story about him uh, falling in a cesspool uh, when he was only about four years old. And his uncle saying to him, Diego, keep your head above the shit. And that kind of became almost like, you know, the uh, the, the mantra for his for his career. I mean, he was a, a, a sort of skinny little kid that, you know, got taken on, um, I think, at, his, at his, uh, his, his first club was Argentinos Juniors. And he um he uh was thought to be uh older and claiming to be sort of uh you know younger than he was and they checked his papers and no no he was that age they said he was so malnourished they had to put him on a um on a kind of uh special uh diet to kind of bulk him up because obviously again he, he came from such poverty and um he obviously became the wonder kid of argentinian football and um, you know, in the 82 World Cup, he was very, very young, got basically kicked out of the tournament, um, got a red card uh, in the last game for, um, you know, for retaliating. Uh, we talked before about his time at Barcelona and how he didn't really fit the kind of, you know, very team based ethos of, that Barcelona has always had. Uh, but even so, there's a game where he gets applauded off by the Real Madrid fans after he scores a wonder goal. Um, against them and it's very very seldom that Real Madrid fans ever applauded off a Barcelona player uh, and then you get the you know his his kind of um, incredible stay at Napoli and you know the outpouring of grief in Naples uh, over the weekend was was something incredible to see and you know it's interesting to kind of think about what made him just such an unbelievable player to watch. And it was just, you know, it was that sh- it was that low centre of gravity, the balance, the speed with which he dribbled, the change of direction, the feints, the the left foot. Only had a left foot, but oh my God, it was, it, you know, who needs a right foot when you've got a left foot like that? It was an absolute rocket of a shot. Um, people always talk about, obviously, the, the second goal in 86 against England, but the goal against Belgium, I think, is, is if anything even better um, because it's such a ridiculous angle that he scores it from. And you obviously got those famous shots of all the Belgian shirts um, lined up together. And, and, you know, that Argentina side that he took to those two World Cup finals, you know, winning one in a, a thriller against Germany and, um, and then, uh, you know, losing a very drab game um, to the same opposition um, four years later to uh, the Andy Bremer penalty was, a very average team, um, you know, a couple of really good players in there. Burishago in particular was a really good player, but but it wasn't it wasn't a a vintage 
Argentina team. It's an Argentina team built around the fact that they had the best player in the world and they needed to give him the best platform to go out and play. Um, and that's exactly what they did. He dragged them single-handedly to two World Cup finals and, and, and won a World Cup final. And it, what a what a special player. I think we've talked on, the, on this show a lot about how much the uh, the flawed geniuses are more interesting than, you know, these kind of metronomic um, stat compilers, I suppose. And it might sound a bit harsh to call Cristiano Ronaldo a stat compiler, but, but you know, if Maradona had played in an era where you couldn't kick people, I mean, goodness even knows what he would have, what he would have uh, done stats-wise um, because he played half the time with, central defenders trying to commit attempted murder uh, on him. So, uh, yeah, not only central defenders, <laughs> Italian central defenders week in, week out in that era. Yeah, absolutely. And the pitches, the pitches were absolutely awful as well. I mean, Gary Lineker came out and said, you know, that that, that pitch at the Azteca was like, they just relayed it and, you know, you, you kind of every time you stood somewhere, there was turf coming up and he dribbled the length of the field around the whole England team and smashed it in. Um, you know, it was a different, a very different game than a, a less sanitised game. And and I think, you know, for those of us that grew up watching Maradona, that's why he that's why he is better than Messi um, to us. And yeah, Messi and Ronaldo are going to be miles ahead on, you know, on, on stats. But I think I certainly think that that uh, the sports about a lot more than stats, and you know Maradona is the, the the purest football genius that I certainly have seen. Not old enough to have seen Pele, except for the goals. Eusebio the same, you know. Pushkas, there's not tons of footage out there that you can watch. Um, so you know, and, and obviously Cruyff again, not old enough to have seen him. Um, you know, in real time, Maradona is the one that I saw in real time. And like Maz said, to me, he's still the greatest ever. Yeah, and I think that's... So I was just going to add on there. I think what, what sets him apart for me, you know, the the reason why the stats of Messi and Ronaldo don't touch Maradona is what, what uh, Neil was saying about the World Cups. You know, bang average thing. When you look at the players that were around Messi... You know when they got to the final, that that you know if if Maradona had, you know, Agueros and Higuains and Di Marias and and you know Tevezes and Mascheranos and and that that type of player around him, you know, even you know a couple of years back the Simeones and the, that type of player, my word, I, I I don't know what he would have won. I really don't. Presumably, it would have been not unlike the Pele Brazil three World Cup kind of situations because Maradona is one of only a handful of players to go, to go to four World Cups. He could have presumably won the lot. Um, you you mentioned a load. Would he have stayed sorry. in the team with all those players around him? Because you say he, he was kind of in the in the he, he dragged those uh, teams to the to the World Cup final by himself. But you know, as we discussed with um, Romario, when you've got enough good players around you is is one player is one player misbehaving worth disrupting a, a, an otherwise professional side um, it's, it's just, I mean, just playing devil's advocate for a second I mean, 
it's a it's a legitimate question regarding the 1994 World Cup. I'm not sure it would have factored in for the other three. I think the the thing about um, Messi, if you look at Messi and World Cups, it's almost you almost think that he would have been better off in Maradona's situation of having to to take on the mantle of you know the the main man um the the accusation of the argentinian press towards messi has always been that he didn't do enough to to be that kind of you know central one man figure um you know i i it's 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 an interesting question if messi was surrounded by bang average players would you know would uh would he actually have been um, a more important player for Argentina. I don't. I don't know what the answer to that is really. I mean, he's currently surrounded by bang average players as we're at Barca, and it's not going so well. So, um, you know, it's it's an interesting question. I think just mentality-wise, um, Maradona just had had that absolute, you know, um, that absolute will to win. And it's an interesting story I read during the week um, where. Uh, Chiro Ferrara, who was the uh, captain of Napoli um, before the before a um, UEFA Cup semi-final against Bayern, um, away at Bayern, you know, he sort of said to Maradona that he was nervous, and he said, uh, and Maradona said to him, "Chiro, we're just going to go out there and we're going to have fun and we will win." <laughs> and that's exactly what they went and did. Well, that brings uh, me to what I was going to ask uh, a kind of minute ago because I think that encapsulates the man to a degree because. Uh, it was prompted by your running through a list of, of real kind of candidates for kind of all time great. And one thing I've started to think over the years is that when you get to a certain level, the question becomes kind of meaningless. And it says yeah. more, it says more about us than it says about the player, because at that level, they're all that good. They can all change a game by themselves. And there's, there's more players in that bracket than there are, you know, that we can name number one so, so it becomes a statement about what who we are and what we value and what we appreciate in a footballer so I just wanted to maybe finish this off by throwing it back to you guys in particular who've both said that you think he's number one but just generally what do you think it is about Maradona that we value if you say he's number one does that make sense yeah I think I, what I said in the week when I, I post on social media about this was that he it in an era now where it's very, you know, very much ultra regimented team sport, you know, he was the ultimate individualist. And, you know, when you look at some of the others that, that kind of could lay that kind of claim to being the greatest, you know, um, Troy very much was a, you know, a, a part of a, um, a Dutch system, which was very much a team system. And yes, he was the best player, but but it was very much about the team. Um, Beckenbauer, similarly, um, you know, uh, I think, um, you know, the team that Pushkas played in is one of the greatest teams ever, or the greatest teams never to have, to have won the World Cup, but went unbeaten for three years and completely destroyed England's delusion of being a, a world football power in, in the 1950s. Um, Maradona, I think, is 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 the one who has that kind of romance of being, you know, just 
a kind of difference-making, game-breaking player. I mean, he was genuinely unplayable. The only way you could stop him in, you know, from a sort of five or six-year period from the early 80s until the late 80s was to kick him. And that was the only way you could stop him. And you see against Belgium, you know, he when he picks up the ball for that unbelievable goal, you know, he starts going and they all know what he's going to do, but they just can't stop him. There's no way that they can stop him. Um, and not only that, you know, I think the uh, yeah, the World Cup thing of dragging an average team to work up, he then also takes a, um, a team in Napoli who were not one of the traditional powers in Italy whatsoever and made them a power. Um, so he's done it on an international level in that sense and he's done it on a club level in that sense. So it's kind of, I think, what he means as a kind of iconic figure um, is that he single-handedly just changed things and maybe the other players on that kind of best of all time list, you know, had similar accomplishments, but they didn't quite, to me, have that individual weight, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get, I totally get where you're coming from. And it's not, you know, it's not so much that he did it by himself, you know, and I, I always make that the statement I always make is Maradona won the World Cup by himself. You know, until someone else does that, he's the greatest for me. But that's not to say, you know, that, you know, nobody else helped. He dragged those people to greatness. You know, he dragged those, those Napoli players to greatness. You know, he made he made them better. He made he he's he was an infectious character as, as a leader, you know, listening to him, watching him, you know, it, it's just so fun to watch the guy, whether it's on the pitch, off the pitch, doing whatever it is, he's captivating. And could you imagine playing with someone like that? You were going to give 150% every single time for that guy. Because you know, you know, yeah, you know that he could finish it off. That's it. You've just got to try your best. And if you gave your best, you know, that guy's magic and he would do something. And it's so rare, I think, nowadays as well, that you have one player that just takes a tournament by the scruff of the neck um, and, and just absolutely dominates it from start to finish. Uh, and that's what he did in 86. Um, no, I, don't, I, mean, I don't think we've seen anything quite like it since. You know. as, as football becomes more systematised, it is quite harder and harder for anyone to have that kind of individual impact. Yeah, I mean, and, and, yeah. At club level, it can't happen these days. You know, Maradona will be in a big club and move from huge club to huge club, you know, from an age of, you know, 16 these days. You know, he'll, he'll a type of player like that is never going to experience club football outside of, of massive clubs. You know, at the international level, uh, you know, I guess you do have players, you know, and Ibrahimovic or, you know, you do have star players for, for smaller nations, but, you know, and they might drag them to a tournament, but they're, they're never going to win it. They're never going to win it. I will like say one thing for, for, for Cristiano. I will say one thing for him on this, though, is that he is certainly that type of leader that Maradona was. In the, You know, there was a very cool clip when they won the Euros um, and they had a penalty shootout um, and... 
they were sort of lining up the five penalty takers and um, Xiao Moutinho started walking away. And there's a great video of Ronaldo calling him back saying, come on, come kick, come kick. You strike them well. It's in God's hands now. Go and take a penalty. And, you know, Moutinho goes and scores his penalty. And I, and I thought that was quite good. And I think, you know, what some of those United seasons that Ronaldo had, maybe not the Madrid ones so much, which were a bit more kind of, you know, obviously surrounded by the Galacticos, but those two insane United seasons he had um, were a little bit that kind of, you know, touched by, you know, touched by genius, run through a campaign type of thing. But, but um, yeah, I, I think Maradona just represents that sort of, that, that player who, just came from absolutely nothing from dirt poverty to be you know the most famous footballer in the world and and he obviously lived a life of of massive excess and was a figure of massive controversy but it it doesn't take away from the man's football ability um two final questions before we can I just chip in a quick observation before you do, which is just there's something you mentioned about the, the main appeal is this, this great individualist. And I think that is is true. Um, I think with this question marks of whether or not he is the greatest player of all time, he might be the most charismatic. Um, but it's just interesting to think about that the great story of that prime Italian league you know at the time when it was at its apex is the great individualist at napoli against the great system at milan very much so yeah this kind of football clash of cultures in a sense and that's southern italy against northern italy isn't it southern italy is you know chaotic and um you know and um chaotic and poor and you know resents the north and the north is snobby and you know there was a there's you know again Juventus were given the first option to sign Maradona and they deemed him uh not Juve material based on his you know his background and his character you know Juve had Platini and Michael Laudrup and you know they were the kind of you know Juve type of player, and Maradona didn't really fit into what they uh, what they saw as you know as being theirs. Um, and of course, it would come back to bite them because um, you know Maradona went to Napoli and made Napoli um, you know a, a, a threat where they hadn't been in decades. I, I love that the Juventus way is to have like a. a a more corrupt sneaky knob who doesn't do it uh, quite as obviously, <laughs> whereas Manu or Donald will just go out and do blow off a hooker, you know, Absolutely. but Platini will be lying in his pockets with <laughs> fucking yeah. all sorts. We didn't know Platini uh, was a crook in the mid eighties to be fair. No, it's because he was good at it. He was better at it. <laughs> Maybe he only became a crook after he became a football official. Yeah. One he probably learned it at Juve to be honest. It's probably what happened. But yeah, yeah. I, I just go on, you know, it's really, really interesting. I watched this really interesting documentary that was on uh, one of the Channel 4 um, shows at the weekend. And it really dove into his uh, time at Napoli. And, you know, to the point where, you know, he was he was telling Napoli to support him because the, the, the World Cup semi-final in 1990 was between... Um, Italy and Argentina played in Napoli and Maradona was telling all the Napoli fans to support him, don't support Italy because, you know, Italy don't don't care about you, you're Southerners. You know, it's all, it's all about us, be Argentinian for the game. And, you know, some of them even bought into it. 
And, you know, a, a lot of it said that's what ruined his career. That's why he got done for drugs so soon after, because, you know, uh, of the things he said and knocking Italy out of the World Cup that they, they were meant to win. You know, the the, <laughs> the Platinis of this world or the higher-ups of Platinis just were like, right, give him a drugs test. <laughs> let, let, we got to get rid of him. Do we think that Diego Maradona in... Or, another Diego Maradona would actually get to make it in this day and age. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's funny because everyone's always looking for the next South American wonder kid, aren't they? Um, but they, ha- nowadays, but they, they have to be professional. They have to be fit. They always have to show up for training. I don't know, Maradona's Neymar not is, that guy. <laughs> Neymar's an interesting one in that sense, because obviously like, He's been massively indulged both by Barcelona and PSG in terms of flying back to Brazil for weird parties on the reg. <laughs> but it's quite interesting that Neymar had the opportunity to do what Maradona did um, and it broke him. You know, quite literally it broke him. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really think Neymar's quite recovered from, from that 2014 World Cup in a lot of ways. But yeah, I think probably he would be, you know, as sort of as close to a modern equivalent as as, as you could find. Just obviously he hasn't he hasn't managed to kind of, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing with, with with Neymar that's different to Maradona is that Maradona wasn't really about ego. He was about winning, and Neymar's about ego, and then he's about winning. Yeah, I think that's a big thing with Maradona. You know, he, he, he that's how he played. He, he wasn't this cocky guy, you know. I mean, he, he was confident, but he didn't, he didn't have that arrogance. You know, he had a confidence in his ability and got on with it and thought he was, you know, a great player. But that didn't come through in who he was. He was just out there having a good time. You know, I, I'd say the guy that you look at... Um, who's come since Maradona, who's probably the closest to that is probably Ronaldinho, you know, just a real fun loving guy with all the talent in the world. And, you know, didn't quite go as high as Maradona, but got, got a long way. And I think, you know, there is, there is another one there. And uh, one thing I don't underestimate Maradona's work ethic, you know, Maradona did like to party, you know, especially as, as time went on, but you know, First and foremost, he loved his football and he put that time into the football. Finally, is there a moment that you can you can think of that sums up Maradona? If we were to think back of over his career and over over his life, is there is there anything that sticks out in your minds as being that's Maradona in a nutshell? 86 quarter final, nothing nothing sums up Maradona more than that. The good and the bad. Uh, Legalinica yeah. has an interesting anecdote in the week about um, when they had a rest of the world uh, against Inigay and Lenica played for the rest of the world because he was playing at Barca at the time. And he talks about Maradona's warm-up, uh, which everyone like, you know, it's loads of viral videos of various Maradona warm-ups. But Lenica said this one, he started juggling the ball in the, the changing room and he juggled it all the way out to the centre circle. And he stood in the middle of the centre circle and he kicked the ball as far high up in the air as he possibly could, waited for it to come down, smashed it again without moving, uh, you know, and then it, it 
kind of came down again. He did it again. He did this like four or five times. And everyone was just watching him, you know, and you talk about the very best players in the world watching him do this, just like open mouth. And like I said, they tried to recreate it like in, in trading and no one could do more than one or two without having to like run after the ball. Um, so if anything sums up like he's kind of genius with a football, it, it, it might well be that. But I think also if people haven't seen the Belgium game in 86, um, if anything, Maradona's individual performance in that game is even better than his performance against England. Uh, it's the semi-final of the 86 World Cup. It's quite easy to find on YouTube. So I definitely would recommend giving that a watch. That's all we've got time for this week on Four at the Back. Uh, thank you to the three of you for your thoughts. We'll be back in the new year with a brand new series of Four at the Back. Until then, we'll see you soon. You've been listening to Four at the Back with Joe, Maz, Neil and Pete. You can follow us on Twitter or on Instagram at 4ATBpod. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts by rating and subscribing so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon.